0: Welcome to No Compromise, where faith and reason fuse in conversation. Qu'ils sont pour les pieds. Hi, Johnny. Hello, my love. How are you? Good.
1: Okay, so this week we're going to do On the Closing of Our Churches Two and a Half Years Later, or another good title would be Hindsight is 2020.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's really cute. <laughs> On Monday, I published for the podcast our episode entitled "Update on the Closing of Our Churches," and it is designed to revisit the issue of the early covid restrictions that were coming down before we really knew much of anything that was happening.
1: We started the Christian atheist then right was that the first the first episode that you
0: I don't know that it was the first one it really was it was second? somewhere in the first or second.
1: Okay. And it wasn't
0: even a numbered episode, and we never right. brought it over to the podcast. Right. So it is available, but still only on YouTube. Right. But if you listen to Monday's podcast of the Christian atheist, right, the update on this, I will play the whole episode, the original there. episode. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. It's also on YouTube. The originals on YouTube. Right. Okay, and why are you revisiting it?
0: Because we've learned so much since that episode. Uh, And it's worth our looking at it very carefully as Christians Mm -hmm. and as citizens of the United States. Because if we want to keep our republic, if we want to continue to prosper and be a light in this world, we had better revisit the foundational principles of our republic.
1: Right. So we're not here to debate vaccinations or mask effectiveness. We're not Talking about any of that,
0: right? Although that is very interesting material. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're here to um, discuss just the restrictions and their impact on our society, American society,
0: right? And in order to do that, we've chosen an article written by someone normally uh, we would disagree with on almost everything.
1: Exactly. What's the name of the article?
0: The catastrophic COVID convergence. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. CCC. Okay, and the article is by Debbie...
0: Debbie Lerman.
1: Debbie Lerman. And you have a little bit of who she is, right? Yeah,
0: at the end of the article, it says this, Debbie Lerman has a degree in English from Harvard. She is a retired science writer and a practicing artist in Philadelphia, PA. Mm-hmm. We will put the link mm-hmm. to this article... In the in, description. In the description. Right. And we've also included that in the description for... Um, you mean the on, podcast, Mondays, for on Monday's, on Monday's podcast, update. yes. Okay. Along with a whole host of other important material that you can download that will help you process and understand this, this whole COVID cataclysm <laughs> that happened <laughs> to our country and, and to the world.
1: <laughs> right. And when was this article, John? Was it, it was just like a month ago or two months ago.
0: Right. It was actually put out on July 11th of 2022. That's right. And is available on the Brownstone Institute's website.
1: Mm-hmm. That's and, right,
0: and that's sort of a think tank about this whole issue, right and I would definitely encourage our listeners to go there and view and read the wealth of material that's available
1: and instead of explaining why we chose this, you should read those first two or three paragraphs I think that's a good idea because that that puts everything yeah, that says everything
0: right. The article opens with these words: so much basic scientific data and so many best practices and ethical standards in public health were abandoned during the covid pandemic it would be difficult to list them all nevertheless we must remember just how much reality has been warped since march 2020 and try to understand how that warping occurred now it's interesting that march 2020 is the date she picks and that's exactly the middle of march is when we published mm-hmm. That's right. On the closing of our churches. The original episode, exactly. Maybe if we understand what happened, we can prevent it from happening again. Maybe we can unwarp the narrative enough so that more people can see clearly what went wrong. And this is one of the reasons we've chosen Mm -hmm. this article and this author because exactly. she has a broad base of understanding and can reach out to those on both, both sides. sides of the aisle mm-hmm. because although what she's writing here tends to support a more conservative view she is herself
1: her perspective
0: a much more of a strident leftist
1: mm-hmm. exactly
0: for my own sanity she says that's the key <laughs> i need to understand what happened so i can come to terms with why people behaved the way they did and it really is amazing that, for the most part, people aren't even acknowledging no. what happened no, during I that know. period. And back to the article. And why so many of my own assumptions were shattered during the pandemic.
1: Mm-hmm. And five things that she lays out, how real science was thrown out as misinformation, propaganda turned into absolute truth, the free press morphed into a government mouthpiece. Yep liberal and scientific institutions were undermined Yep, and a creation of like a bullying herd. Right. These are the things that she points out. And and at this point, when we discussed this, you said, well, you called it the Jonathan Haidt effect. Yes. But then we were like, it's not just him. And then you came up with the term, the line drawing effect.
0: Right. So those, those two things are, are really important. Mm -hmm. And one of the articles we include in the description is by James Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And he talks about line drawing and where we're going in today's culture. Right. And he makes the point that it's important for us to find a place before things start going crazy, or even now, and now's a good time because it's no better time than the present, right. to find a point where you say to yourself, it's gone too far right. if it gets here.
1: Humble yourself
0: right, and, and say, draw that line. And draw that line and mm-hmm. say, wait a second, if it gets to this point, then we need to do something. Right. For me, that line's been crossed a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But And the Jonathan Haidt effect is something that Jenny and I both, in reading Jonathan Haidt, he seems to trace all of our troubles in our society back to the early 2000s, and specifically in in 2010 and 2011, where things suddenly started to go crazy. And for me, someone who studied Hegel for all of my academic life, Mm -hmm. and I trace everything back all the way to that origin point. To me, it's almost silly mm-hmm. for someone to say, oh my goodness, look what's happened. Look at this bad state we're in. It all started in 2010. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. <It's> been <laughs> it started long before that. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of funny, and sorry lot. to go partisan here, yeah. but it's the liberals who are suddenly discovering that things are going bad right. when they're the ones who have laid the foundation for it the for long. decades and decades in advance the and long- never objected to any of it.
1: The long march through the institutions yes, the
0: long march through the institutions mm-hmm. yep
1: okay, so um, one other point real quick before we start the article is that um this article is a good application of the evident evidence and faith
0: right, We find lots of reasons here, and that's mm-hmm. because following up on what we just read there, mm-hmm. she talks about the warping of right. reality, right, right, and how does reality get warped when we stop checking ourselves? Against reality, when we allow hyper rationality to take over, when we start dictating from our theories to reality Mm -hmm. instead of allowing reality to change and alter our thinking about it. And so this is Hegelian to its nth to the nth degree. It is just the outplay of that. And this warping of reality is a chosen, and I might argue in many cases, malicious attempt to take over the power structures of our society in order to impose a view that is opposed to basic, empirical, rational understanding of the world. Right.
1: So, And if if you want to get more information on evidence and faith, go to last week's episode. That's when we discussed that. Right. And you did a series on
0: that. Plus the whole series, which is what, five parts, I believe? Yep. And that'll
1: help you get a deeper understanding. Right. We call it the EEF.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it gets ponderous. Continuing to say the evidence, evidence, and faith.
1: Yes. <laughs> okay, so I'll read the introduction here, and then we're going to take turns reading each point. She has four main points, right? And they all start with P: panic, politics, propaganda, and profits. Right. So when we get to the panic, then you'll start reading. That'll help divide it for the listener. Right. Okay. So this section here makes you think of 1984.
0: And she actually up. references 1984 yeah, herself,
1: yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay, so I'll continue where you ended. I want to know why real science got thrown out as misinformation, propaganda turned into absolute truth, the free press morphed into a government mouthpiece, and supposedly liberal and scientific institutions abandoned ethical standards and critical thought to impose zero evidence, zero COVID authoritarian lockdowns and mandates. That's where you said about 1984. Right. How that
0: reminds you. It does, because everything has morphed into a structure whereby the government is taking more and more power. Mm-hmm. And this is what I warned about in on the closing of our churches. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think the next part we did see in our family, friends, neighbors, people in our churches, mm-hmm. people... You know, close to us this next part, how did my family, friends, and neighbors who I thought shared my liberal humanist values turn into a group thinking bullying herd? What forces were exerted to erase scientific and intellectual integrity from the minds of literally millions of doctors, scientists, economists, journalists, educators, and other normally curious and compassionate people worldwide which that that was the thing that really
0: Right. It, it's it was maddening yeah. to live through it. Yeah,
1: going to see, the doctor. Yeah, when we'd go to the doctor. Right. And they would.
0: They would absolutely shut down any viewpoint mm-hmm. other than the one that was being preached right. by the I don't know the the uh, the priests. Yeah. Of the new view.
1: Right. Right. To answer these questions, I am less interested in an exact timeline than in a story that makes sense of seemingly senseless behaviors. I am also less interested in the culpability of specific individuals than in an examination of the factors, psychological, social, historical, political, that drove those behaviors. Overall, I believe four extremely powerful forces converged catastrophically to initiate and then perpetuate. The snowball that became the avalanche of COVID insanity. And by insanity, I mean the imposition of unprecedented, untested, and predictably unsuccessful, not to mention horrifically damaging, pandemic containment measures. These four forces were, and this is what we said before, panic, politics, propaganda, and profits. So you're going to read panic, number one.
0: I will pick up on that.
1: Is there anything you want to say?
0: Yeah. I know Trump was president when all of this started, Mm -hmm. but this soon became something that was run almost exclusively from the left of our country Mm -hmm. and throughout the world, although not exclusively because Australia was a rightist government Mm -hmm. and they were one of the worst perpetrators of this. But it's that ideology that we see here that absolutely, like Marxism, no matter how badly it fails... They never see the problem with the theory. Right. All they do is continue okay. to double down on it again and again, no matter how badly it fails, no matter how poorly it achieves, even the results they themselves set out to mm-hmm. achieve. Exactly. It is just astounding, mm-hmm. this group thing right. that develops, right. and this ideological blindness to the evident. Right. Yeah. So anything else for you?
1: Well, I guess it's that hole in their heart. That is supposed to be filled with God, and right. but instead they fill it with this.
0: Yeah, that's true. That deep emptiness. Mm-hmm. Who was it that said that we have a God shape hole in mm-hmm. our heart? I remember that. Um, but I don't and remember. if we don't fill it with God, it will be filled with something else. And exactly. that's exactly what has happened in our world. Exactly.
1: Yes. And this has become like a religion.
0: Okay. So the first point that she gives us is panic, and how panic drove us to these extreme measures. I believe pandemic panic was driven from above, from the highest echelons of the most powerful governments, and below, within populations primed for disaster and perpetually on the verge of a nervous breakdown. So, we were reminded here of something that Jonathan Haidt, one of our favorite psychologists, talks about, right. this extreme safety culture right. that has been developing over the last several decades, mm-hmm. where parents are, are terrified to let their children walk alone outside or play alone. Right. And he's almost demanding that we reverse this trend, mm-hmm. but this this hyper-safety culture is another thing that definitely contributed to this. We're afraid of everything, everything. and we're afraid of facing any consequences for bad actions. Right. And so we, we try to put little walls around ourselves right. to save ourselves from everything. Panic from above. It had to be a lab leak. And this is her conclusion right. it had to be a lab leak. The stratospheric level of panic unleashed over a virus of relatively low lethality estimated overall infection fatality rate less than 0.2% has always seemed wildly disproportionate to me. Mm -hmm. When previous, much more lethal viruses were discovered in various populations, nothing near the level of COVID hysteria happened. And we were beginning to see this already in 2020 when I did that episode, Mm -hmm. because we looked around and we said, wait a second. And this is sort of how we explained it to ourselves. We are in a limited area, so maybe we're not seeing everything. Right. But nothing added up Mm -hmm. to us when we looked around and saw what was actually happening. There were some people getting COVID. Mm -hmm. But there was no filling up of the hospitals. Mm -hmm. There was no extreme amount of deaths from this. Um, The people who were sick, seemed to get better pretty quickly. Many of them gave reports that this wasn't all that bad, but this was just the beginning. And so we didn't know. Right. I therefore surmise that, she goes on, at the onset of the COVID panic, there was a spark of panic from a very powerful place that ignited the fear already smoldering in the population. Where did the initial code red alarm come from? A likely explanation, based on COVID origin research and many reports of COVID detected before September 2019, as well as the strange, erratic behavior and sudden policy reversals by top U.S. health officials, is that, quote, the novel coronavirus leaked from a high-security U.S.-funded lab in Wuhan, China. Mm-hmm. And if you'll remember, Trump and others put forward this theory. And were vilified.:
1: Right. She for talks it. about that later. Yep.:
0: Much has been written about the lab leak hypothesis in terms of detailed timelines and specific people involved. To me, the most compelling argument in its favor is psychological. Without the lab leak, there would be insufficient momentum to fuel such a juggernaut of global panic causing scientists and public health experts to abandon everything they knew about respiratory viruses and leading democratic governments to adopt Chinese-inspired authoritarian and policies.
1: That was what you and I, we would sit there and read and we'd think, this doesn't add up with what we know about biology. Yes, You know what the basic biology that we studied, right. you know, and
0: yeah it just didn't- and you you know more about this than I do, yeah. but I knew enough to say, Wait a second, there's something wrong here right right It just doesn't add up right, and you would say repeatedly things like viruses, you can't contain viruses, yeah viruses are going to have to run the population and develop some sort of immunity,
1: and we're not even we're not experts in any way in any way but it just went
0: against science that we've learned. Right. And there again is that notion of the evidence. Mm -hmm. We have been trained enough in basics and can think intelligently in such a way that when we heard all of these reports and claims, they didn't seem right. Right. And usually as human beings, we're better off to listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Nope. Go ahead. Specifically, The Wuhan lab leak makes sense as the source of initial panic because the research conducted there is highly sensitive and controversial. It involves EPPPs, Enhanced Pandemic Potential Pathogens, viruses engineered to be very contagious so their spread can be studied in animal models. Interest in this type of research comes not just from the virology and epidemiology fields, but also from national security and intelligence agencies focused on bioterrorism. So, the idea here is that she's saying the panic that developed from this and the embrace by the government structures that imposed all of these things on us can only logically be explained. Mm-hmm. By referring to a deeper panic that came from an understanding of Uh, the origin of this. And they're still not admitting it. (laughs) If both public health and intelligence officials knew or suspected that a virus had leaked from a lab studying EPPPs, and this is the gain of function research that Anthony Fauci denied before Congress. And then undenied. And and then undenied. (laughs) There would be huge levels of apprehension, not to say hysteria, in that group, even if initial data showed, as it did, that the virus was not very dangerous to most people and affected mostly those over 65 with multiple underlying conditions. Mm -hmm. And this is something that became very clear to us um, as we studied it, Mm -hmm. as as the virus went on. And became crystal clear to us when the Great Barrington Declaration came out. Right, exactly. And we'll talk more about that later.
1: And then we did research on previous viruses over the last couple of years, I would say in the 20-teens. Right. Some of those really affected children. Right. Some of those breakouts. Right. But we didn't behave like this in any way. (laughs) In any way. And children were the ones that were get targeted by that virus
0: rather yeah. than adult, older adults. Yeah. When, when we say that this was unprecedented, I mean, yeah. literally, yeah. never in history has anyone done this type right. of thing. Right. And, and
1: if you go if you go look through the viruses in the last 10, 15 years-
0: Far you, more deadly. Yeah.
1: Some of them were more deadly to children.
0: And the rest of the population. Mm-hmm. If the virus was intentionally engineered for its pandemic-causing potential- It could be way more dangerous than just any old pathogen jumping from animals to humans. Who knew how an engineered virus would evolve? How much more virulent could it become? Intelligence and national security officials, in particular, might push for a maximal response without reference to standard epidemiologic or public health protocols. And then this is in bold. Uh In fact it is almost impossible to explain the drastic abandoning of everything scientists and public health practitioners knew and believed about flu-like pandemics without adding to the equation the terrifying unknown of what an engineered pathogen might do.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And the CYA factor. Right, right? Because (laughs) they don't want to be the ones holding the bag. They don't want to be held responsible. Now, had they said that, at the beginning, mm-hmm. let it be known, cleared the table, then it would be a whole lot easier to give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. But at this point, I am so angry mm-hmm. about all of this yeah. that I can let, barely get past
1: it. If they had let it known and then said, we're now going to turn to our experts in our country who or around the world, who've studied this and right. who specialize in this,
0: right? And then, we didn't turn to them. And, and then we would have actually been following the science, maybe. Mm-hmm. They would have actually said, okay, maybe we're not doing this right. But instead, because it was an effort to hide their own complicity, mm-hmm. it became something that they continued to double down on over and over right. and over again, instead of allowing us to rationally weigh things and move forward in a science-based way. Right.
1: So- science was not real
0: so, Yes, at that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Going back to one of our comments earlier, or themes from an earlier Christian atheist, mm-hmm. we look around and we see these science as real signs. Who was it that denied science Exactly in this case? And to top off the panic palooza, if and when the truth of the virus's origins came out, Those involved with the EPPP research, already riddled with safety concerns, would be blamed. Major international and diplomatic crises could ensue. Further strengthening this hypothesis is the fact that the countries with the strictest and most prolonged lockdowns, including Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, were all members of the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance, along with the U.S. and U.K., It makes sense that precisely those countries sharing the earliest and most detailed intelligence about the lab leak felt not only justified, but compelled to carry out the strictest lockdowns. Mm -hmm. All of this leads me to conclude that a small group of top intelligence and public health officials, fearing a catastrophically deadly engineered virus, had been released, regardless of its observed effects in the real world convinced themselves, their governments, and in turn their populations, without publicly revealing the virus's origin, Mm -hmm. that the strictest containment measures were needed or else millions would die. Panic, then, became not just a reaction to the virus, but, in the minds of those instigators, a necessary state in which to hold the population in order to elicit maximum compliance with containment measures as inertia set in following the big initial push panic and compliance became not just means for supposedly ending the pandemic but goals in and of okay. themselves and therefore any means justifies the ends of controlling the population mm-hmm. okay. so it was an, it was another one of those things mm-hmm. that we've talked about before the ends justify the means mentality morality that the left has adopted as central to Mm -hmm. their way of proceeding through everything Mm -hmm. heading scientists and media enlisted in panic campaign all major media outlets including the billionaire owners of the largest social media platforms were likely asked now notice here She's saying, look, these people were likely asked by panicked government officials for help in supporting draconian virus suppressing measures. Well, we
1: just read that article today. By the New Civil Liberties Union.
0: Oh yes, that's right.
1: They have a case against the government because of their influence over social media. Right,
0: and that's going to be interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, we'll link to that
0: too. We'll link to that. Yes, the Biden administration is being sued by the authors of the Great Barrington okay. Declaration mm-hmm. because they were essentially—they were shut down. Yeah, they were publicly assassinated mm-hmm. in terms of their reputation and through for social, daring through to social oppose. media. Yep. Right. So yeah, and that's gonna be like I said, that will be fun to sort of follow up right. on. Right. Um I had to say I <laughs> today's the first day we saw it. Right. Jenny found it and pointed it out to me and I felt like cheering when I saw it. Yeah. Because they're actually suing the Biden administration. Mm-hmm. And they have evidence Right. that it was actively done by the administration to shut them down, to mm-hmm. silence them, to not allow science to proceed as science must if it's going to be so she, successful.
1: In the article she says Evidently, this kind of backs up what she says. Right.
0: Yeah, and and again, that's following the logic. Mm -hmm, (laughs) That's that's putting things together. And this whole article is built on the evidence. Yep. As we've tried to explain it in the evident evidence and faith. Like I said, it's a good application. It really is. (laughs) Returning to the text, it seems likely, based on the strict adherence to the public narrative, that guidelines were disseminated as to how the pandemic should be discussed warning that any deviation therefrom would lead to countless unnecessary deaths. The threat of the virus could not be overstated. Questioning antivirus measures was taboo. Mm -hmm. And I can't help it. What comes to mind here is The View, Mm -hmm. the ladies of The View, who Mm -hmm. pretty much made anyone into a monster who dared to question anything about Mm -hmm. COVID. Ivermectin Right, right? Um, <laughs> the effectiveness of the vaccines
1: and the masks
0: and the masks, yes, right. and they pretty much made it out that anyone who would dare not to wear a mask or who would question their effectiveness, <laughs> we found okay. out that all of that is valid. Right, were um, monsters, moral or just monsters.
1: Going to the store and the looks you would get. <laughs>
0: yes, that's right. A word. Yes. Yeah, if you didn't wear a mask in you a store. you forgot
1: to or you didn't have it
0: pulled up properly. It, that's right. Remember that one guy at the store, the bookstore? Mm-hmm. Um, your mask is down. You, 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 yeah. need, oh, you need to pull it up a little farther. <laughs> <laughs> while we were talking to yes, him. Yes, while we were talking to him. Although prominent epidemiologists and public health experts, and here she refers specifically to the Great Barrington Declaration, mm-hmm. outside the inner circle, tried to publicize alternative more realistic scenarios, based on data already gathered about the virus's actual fatality rates, I believe the government's allies in academia, some perhaps surprised of the EPPP situation, some politically motivated and or petrified by the propaganda, as discussed below, brutally silenced any discussion or debate. Yeah, yeah. And we saw that unfolding. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess – even more troubling to me was the amount to which, as we just alluded, the rest of the society bought into it. Right. I mean, the hatred right. that you would see in eyes of people who saw someone without a mask.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or even yeah, on I, social media, yeah, the things that
1: they were saying. This is not kind. You have that other article, there were tweets about, and, and, and different posts about
0: right. not right. treating and will,
1: them medically.
0: right. Um, and that one guy advocating holding people down and forcing um, and, them and too. forcing them to take the vaccine right right um, this is Nazi stuff right <laughs> right next section panic from below the madness of crowds the u.s population was primed to react strongly when massive panic from above was unleashed upon it. COVID fears had already been building since early 2020, with the proliferation of terrifying videos and reports of people falling dead in China's streets from a hitherto unknown virus. We now know these videos were most likely fake and related to the Chinese propaganda campaign discussed later in this article. But at the time, they went viral, fomenting fear of the new virus. Even before that... In the years leading up to the pandemic, especially in liberal coastal cities, a culture of hypersafety and risk aversion, there's that Jonathan Haidt thing, had taken hold. It was a perfect setup. Mm-hmm. In addition to the strong political forces acting on the very same populations as described below, for pandemic hysteria to proliferate even more virulently than the pathogen that prompted it. Mm-hmm. So all of the snowflakes that we've talked about, <laughs> right? And all of those decades of helicopter parenting, parenting brought about a cure that was worse than the disease. Right. right. And this is the point that I make in our update mm-hmm. to the 2020 video.
1: The one you just posted on Monday. On Monday.
0: That the COVID response mm-hmm. was far worse than COVID itself. Exactly. Had we allowed this, and we questioned this even in the first, not that we knew because we weren't right. sure. But we question to ourselves, uh-huh. wouldn't it be better, like all other viruses, to let this run its course? Right. People will die, it will happen, but right. it'd be better to let it run its course, and then people will develop immunity, and each successive wave will be less exactly. and less virulent. Exactly. Um, but what do we know? <laughs> Once large, socioeconomically and politically homogeneous groups embrace the panic, as Gigi Foster, Paul Fritjers and Michael Baker so cogently explain, herd mentality or the madness of crowds took over. Mm -hmm. To this day, and we have to emphasize that, Mm -hmm. even today, the crowd madness continues to block any critical analysis or questioning of COVID policies in these groups. And I would go so far as to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. This is just a symptom of this the broader COVID, system of there's, society right there's
1: now. There is a crowd yeah. madness in everything right
0: now, it feels yep. like. Yep. And you can't question You're it. not allowed to question it. Mm-hmm. And unless we get a hold on this and start turning back the clock on it, we're done. Right. Okay. So the next section is politics. Right. right. So I will hand it over to you. Back to you, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, John.
1: (laughs) Okay. So we completed the panic section. Then we're on to politics. If the pandemic had not happened during the Trump presidency, and here we stop, because what character is
0: Trump in this? (laughs) Oh, that's right. Because in 1984, there is this shadowy character named Emmanuel Goldstein. Of course, Emmanuel Goldstein. We we know that that points back to the the God with God. us thing in the New mm-hmm. Testament and Old Testament. But Emmanuel Goldstein is the missing character. We never find him, see him, but he's the one for whom the administration the blames troubles. everything
1: on. Right.
0: And we're currently reading through Animal Farm on our Simple Gifts podcast. Mm-hmm. And Trump has become the snowball right. of Animal Farm. Right. Right. Snowball early on is is driven away from the farm. And he becomes the the villain of everything. He's, right. he's behind the shadowy character, behind every problem that they experience <laughs> on the farm. So Orwell put that sort of character in each of his novels. Right.
1: And um, now we're finding that's Trump today. Yep.
0: And that's Trump today. Um,
1: and also, if you want to hear Animal Farm being read or 1984 being read, go to our Simple Gifts podcast. Yeah, Simple Gifts, Dr. John Wise and then put in the title of those books and you can listen to the entire the entire books. It's
0: also on YouTube.
1: Yep, it's on YouTube too and it's in a playlist, each one's in a playlist where you can just play the playlist and it'll go straight through. Yep. Okay. So if the pandemic had not happened during the Trump presidency, the panic from above and below might not have garnered enough scientific and media buy-in to turn the entire Democratic Party. <laughs> she was specific, the entire Democratic Party as well as other self-regarding liberal governments around the world, into mirror images of totalitarian authorities
0: they so often decried. Right, and this is this is another one of those moments where I can't help but cheer that someone on the left is seeing it, and we're right. seeing it. This is that line-drawing phenomenon again. Mm-hmm. This, the line was crossed here for her.
1: Yeah. and you um, felt you felt the next paragraph is cr- quite an admission.
0: Right. Yet, yeah, just the just the whole Democratic Party. Yeah, that I mean, she is singing. a leftist, right? And she's saying it was the entire Democratic Party that turned this way, and clearly she's right on that.
1: Mm-hmm. And just listen to what she says here, and ask yourself if this is correct. Yes, Trump was considered by the politically left-leaning coastal cities in the U.S., myself included. And their allies around the world to be a menace, the likes of which had never been elected before, and a clear and present danger to the very foundations of democracy. For over three years, these groups, largely controlling the mainstream marketplace of ideas, spent much of their time ridiculing, lambasting, and whipping up fear of Trump's incompetence and nefarious intentions.
0: (laughs) <laughs> this sounds like a right wing rag, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's coming from a left wing right, exactly, radical, exactly, exactly, um,
1: which she she makes clear later on several places. Like many others on all sides of the political spectrum, I believe criticism of Trump was largely justified. There you are, yep. you know, she she agreed with all yep. of that. However, for many Democrats, Trump hatred went beyond rational debate. And came to dominate not just the discourse, but the very identity of the party, fostering a self-righteous superiority complex displayed through ritualistic virtue signaling and engendering the apt label Trump derangement syndrome. (laughs) Snowball. Yes. (laughs) The derangement part, isn't in 1984 they would... Have their, the
0: their three minutes hate?
1: Yeah, and it would wasn't it about Emanuel Goldstein?
0: Um, Goldstein and, and, and any of the other in, enemies? Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. They had their three minutes of hate or fifteen minutes of hate.
0: I think it was a three minutes. Was hate. it three? Okay, I'm not sure.
1: The derangement part was the turning of anti-Trumpism into a self-identifying obsession and singular standard of virtue to the exclusion of any objective examination of Trump's words or deeds.
0: So that's the abandoning of the evident.
1: Uh huh. We are led
0: to believe a lie right. when we see not through the eye.
1: Right. That's what your your series, your E E F series, was started out with that poem.
0: Right. And we tried to clarify that. Yeah, uh, it is. A, it's a fragment of the poem by by William Blake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. And we tried to clarify that in last week's No Compromise. Right. Yes. Right.
1: Anything Trump said. The anti-Trump camp felt it their civic and moral duty not just to proclaim, but to deeply believe the opposite. And that is something we discussed (laughs) last week.
0: Oh yeah, that's the hyper-rationalism of the EENF. But it's also reflected by the ability to change what you believe in order to achieve a goal Mm -hmm. that we see throughout 1984.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: If the party changes what truth is, Mm -hmm. then you are supposed to change yourself. Right. If the party says that red is black today, then you accept that today. And if it's, if they change it back again tomorrow, then you change tomorrow with it. And that sort of flexibility of belief is something that has been embraced by the left and taught, is being taught, folks, to your children in school now.
1: The achievements we had against racism. Yes. You know, we were taught. And then now it's flipped. It's reversed it. Now we're back to racism. Encouraging racism. Yes. Yes.
0: And the point here about no objective examination of the facts, Mm -hmm. it's like the facts don't matter. If the facts are convenient, then you use them. But if they're not convenient, then you ignore them or suppress them. And that has been going on in our culture progressively to the point now that even those leftists in our country who generally are on board with almost everything are beginning to react against Mm -hmm. it. And there's that line Line drawing drawing. (laughs) phenomenon because James Lindsay was a leftist. Right this woman is a leftist. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Haidt is still a leftist, but they're seeing the danger here and they're turning on it. They drew a line and they said no further.
1: Right.
0: Right.
1: I'm going back to the article. When it came to the pandemic, this meant that, and at this point there's five bullet points. Okay. This meant that one, if Trump warned that prolonged lockdowns would wreck the economy, left-leaning economists derided anyone who, as they myopically contended, put economic concerns over human life.
0: Yes. There's that niceness thing.
1: Right. (laughs) Two, if Trump claimed children were immune to the virus, every Democrat was convinced it would kill their own children and everyone else's and that schools should be closed indefinitely.
0: Right. And the facts were completely to the opposite. Exactly. So follow the science. Exactly. They're not following the
1: science. Three, if Trump said masks don't work, doctors who for years had known masks to be useless at blocking transmission of flu-like viruses now believed masks should be mandated everywhere forever. (laughs) Four, if Trump suggested that the virus came from a lab in China, editorial boards at major newspapers believed this must be a racist smear, which should never, ever be entertained, let alone investigated. Yes.
0: And we see and this too. Think of- it makes me think of the Biden, um, of, Hunter of the Biden. Hunter Biden laptop right. thing. Sam Harris said to get Trump out of there, he didn't care if Hunter Biden had killed children and kept them in his basement. Uh, Just as long as you as long as you get, as right, you get Trump, Trump out of, out of there. Right. Trump derangement, Trump syndrome, derangement syndrome.
1: <laughs> and lastly, and in my personal life, if I tried to share data showing COVID was not very lethal or that mask mandates did not work, instead of discussing the merits of the data, my friends who knew very well, my ultra lefty politics and socialist worldview would turn to me in horror and ask, are you a Trumpist? (laughs) So, okay. So back to beyond her bullet points, thus was Trump derangement syndrome seamlessly transmitted into COVID derangement syndrome. All the rage directed at Trump was redirected toward anyone who like Trump dared to doubt its deadliness or question the authoritarian measures used to fight it. To top it all off, The pandemic happened during an election year, so Trump hatred and pandemic hysteria were effectively bundled together to get Trump voted out and Biden, a Democrat more aligned with the public health establishment, in. Subsequently, anyone elected on pro-lockdown zero COVID agenda was incentivized to continue advocating for the strictest measure for as long as possible. So that's, so, so far we covered panic. And politics. Right.
0: Now and this on- woman is an admitted socialist. Yes, leftist and ultra leftist, she calls herself. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that's why you said it's quite an admission.
0: Yes, quite an admission. This whole article. Turned the entire Democratic Party mm-hmm. into an authoritarian structure. Right. Which I would say they didn't turn them in. She's just finally seeing what they've been mm-hmm. for quite exactly. some
1: time. Yeah. So, so far, we did, like I said, we did panic. And politics. Now, what's number three, John?
0: So, the third thing that contributed to this catastrophic convergence is propaganda. The third force contributing to global COVID hysteria was, as Michael Sanger points out in his eye-opening book, Snake Oil, How Xi Jinping Shut Down the World, a concerted propaganda campaign by the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP that managed to turn the pandemic, at least until recently, into a celebration of China's inimitable social cohesion and a showcase for the supposed success of its authoritarian anti-pandemic measures. Previously, China had suffered loss of face and international condemnation due to a pandemic outbreak and cover-up. This time, the CCP seized control of the narrative, By imposing draconian, unprecedented, zero-COVID measures no democratic government would ever dream of, then claiming, contrary to logic. So again, Mm -hmm. there we see what I've been talking about all along with this Hegelian thing that has permeated our thinking in the world. Right, Contrary to logic, because logic in the sense of Aristotelian non-contradiction, the law of non-contradiction, is out the window. Right. And basic epidemiologic science, yeah. and there's the empiricism. So contrary to the law of non-contradiction and basic science as empirical study, contrary to that, they claim spectacular victory. Mm-hmm. Everything from social media bots to China-friendly editorial boards at prestigious medical journals was leveraged to denigrate any state or nation with a less restrictive approach. Deviations from the Chinese methods were labeled in brilliantly insidious 21st-century demonstration of Newspeak.
1: Mm -hmm. And here's
0: her reference to 1984. 1984. They were labeled heartless, pro-death, anti-humanitarian, and materialistically motivated. So there was an inversion of ethics here, and instead of following the science, instead of doing what is rational, they decided to do what they thought was best, and the consequences be damned. Right. The World Health Organization, largely supported by and beholden to China, vociferously praised the CCP and the Chinese people for their discipline, commitment, and ultimate victory. Fawning scientific and general press coverage marveled at how sometimes authoritarianism could be good if it meant saving millions of lives. So they were primed already, because leftism tends to be sympathetic to socialist structures, to accept China's lies. The ends justify the means. Thanks to the propitious convergence of panic and politics, described above, the CCP propaganda succeeded spectacularly in convincing democratic governments to adopt hitherto unthinkable authoritarian measures and to pretend or convince themselves that such measures actually worked. That is, the attempt to lie to ourselves. Mm -hmm. They lied to themselves, and they lied to us, and knowingly lied to us, forced that lie upon us, they were living in bad faith and they were operating with that hyper rational thing we talked right. about last week. Right. Right? They're making facts fit theory right. rather than the other way around. Although they knew from the experience of past epidemics and from basic epidemiologic science that it is not possible to stop the spread of a flu like virus once it has seeded itself throughout a global population, I think. Public health and national security officials, especially those in the lab leak group, as described above, desperately wanted to believe that the Chinese measures were working. After all, nothing like that had ever been tried before. If China said it was working for them, maybe it would work everywhere else. It had to work. Otherwise, they feared, millions of people would die. And then this last part, and they would be blamed. In other words, they desperately wanted to believe something was real. This is what the left always accuses Christians of when mm-hmm. they attack them, yep. that we're fanciful, that we believe in things that are ridiculous. And yet Christianity has endured for how long exactly. successfully and produced a culture in which things have gotten better and better as right. long as we continue to abide by it. And right. now as we depart, what are we substituting for? Right. Even as months and years passed, and there's that that thing we talked about before, no matter how badly socialism fails, Mm -hmm. they keep coming back to it. mm -hmm. Even as months and years passed and the virus continued to infect every population in every other country, the world continued to believe China's zero COVID reports. In fact, The scientifically and medically nonsensical zero-COVID goal became the mantra for the authorities imposing Chinese-style virus containment measures everywhere else. Next section. Scientists and Media Successfully Propagandized One very influential part of the effort to freak the world out about COVID Mm -hmm. was the early modeling provided by the Imperial College of London in early 2020. Not coincidentally, as proudly declared on its own website, Imperial College is one of China's top academic and research partners in England. The Imperial College models, which were very soon proven to be grossly wrong, predicted millions of deaths from the virus in just a few months if strict Chinese-style measures were not imposed. And I remember that being reported. The reports accompanying the models strongly recommended unprecedented zero COVID suppression, rather than normal pandemic mitigation measures right. like those, for example, adopted by Sweden, which was very successful, right. and in right. Florida. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, we see here that idea that we know better than tradition, right. and we can afford to just throw out all of the traditional procedures and go with our new thinking. Major media outlets immediately publicize these highly uncertain models, making them sound like proven facts, Mm -hmm. which makes it really hard to come against them, to (laughs) argue against them, and never mentioning the past failures of Imperial College models that had led to terrible government policies, or questioning the obvious biases in the models' underlying assumptions, which is uh, what we do with climate change. Right, right. Today, the climate change theorists are always going on their models, and right. I remember back in the nineteen seventies, mm-hmm. all of the models about the global cooling right. that was going on. Right? right, I do remember that. And then you raised the question when we were talking about and preparing for this. We never questioned transgender transitioning in children. We're not allowed to question that right. a scientific and journalistic consensus, I would say an orthodoxy, quickly coalesced around these models and the necessity for the zero COVID measures they supposedly proved, as mentioned above. dissenting views were silenced, right. But they were also a small minority. Mm-hmm. The toxic confluence of panic, politics, and propaganda worked like an anti-truth potion. Mm -hmm. And man, are we living in a world of anti-truth today. That is for sure. To preclude even the possibility that someone would think, let alone publicize, anything suggesting it wasn't as bad as everyone, the Chinese, the U.S. government, the leading newspapers and scientific journals said it was. And as a teacher in college, Mm -hmm. all of my students came in convinced Mm -hmm of the truth of all of these lies that we right. found out to be lies, right. and to suggest to them maybe to think differently was, in many ways, eye-opening for them. Right. Because I saw my students begin to open up if only we had allowed a little bit of light into the right. room of darkness. Right. And then the last section is profits.
1: All right. So we covered panic, politics, propaganda. And yep. now we're on profits. profits. Okay.
0: And this is a good one for you because you mentioned this all the time. This is one of your favorite uh, whipping boy points.
1: <laughs> yeah. The pharmaceutical companies yes. <laughs> make me very upset. <laughs> President Biden took office just as COVID vaccines became available. This was supposed to be the beginning of the end of lockdowns and a return to normal. Alas, at this point, so many profit driven interests had piled onto the zero COVID train that it continued to hurtle forth at unstoppable speeds. Do you remember when it dawned on us? Do you know how much money is being made in
0: this? <laughs> yes, all these, when we saw all this variety of masks, yes, new masks out. Because
1: yes. we were buying the kids like customized masks.
0: Right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, wow, there's these no people way are we. Making-
1: yeah, there's no way we're going to be able to get. We'll get never out roll of, this back. No. Everybody's
0: going to want masks all the time now. Right.
1: The nonsensical, non scientific zero COVID measures that had begun from a place of mortal panic, spread through political polarization and amplified by Chinese propaganda now, generated unprecedented profits for anyone who made anything related to the pandemic. As far as these money interests are concerned, the pandemic might as well go on forever. In assessing the potential influence of profits on the indefinite continuation of the state of COVID emergency, the numbers speak for themselves. Here are just a few of the jaw-dropping reports on the beneficiaries from never-ending COVID. So she breaks it down, the beneficiaries in four, big tech, test makers and sellers, vaccines, and billionaires. Okay, let's start with big tech.
0: And it, right before you start yeah, big tech, ahead. another thing that developed with the big tech thing, yeah. other than just profits, yeah. was power. Yes. Because they got enormous power given to them yes. to shut down voices of dissent. Right. And once they had it on this, they could mm-hmm. do it on everything and else. They have. Yeah, and they have, yes, you're right. They have.
1: In October twenty twenty one, the New York Times reported, and this is a quote, in the last year the five tech superpowers, Amazon, Apple, Google Microsoft, Facebook, and who doesn't use pretty much all five of those? Exactly right, yes. Had combined revenue of more than $1.2 trillion. Some of the companies are growing faster and are more profitable than they have been in years. That's unquote them. Right. Um, the next was test makers and sellers. In January 2022, CBS reported windfall profits for test makers, including Abbott Laboratories. $1.9 billion in third quarter sales related to COVID-19 testing, up 48% compared to the year-ago period. Right. Other beneficiaries with skyrocketing profits were labs that process PCR tests and drugstore chains like CVS and Walgreens. Vaccines, that's the next one. In February 2022, The Guardian reported that Pfizer made nearly, this is just one company, just, yeah. Pfizer made Nearly $37 billion in sales from its COVID-19 vaccine in, in 2021, in just one year, making it one of the most lucrative products in history.
0: Yes, that's amazing. That's
1: unbelievable. Yep. Pfizer's overall revenues in 2021 doubled to $81.3 billion.
0: They're not going to let go of that no, without a fight.
1: No. Yes. And it expects to make record revenues of 98 to $102 billion this year. <laughs> and lastly the billionaires this this is unbelievable yeah,
0: the statistics here are unbelievable yes yes in january
1: 2022 oxfam reported and this is in quotes the world's 10 richest men more than doubled their fortunes from 700 billion to 1.5 trillion dollars at a rate of $15,000 per second or 1.3 billion dollars a day during the first two years of a pandemic that had seen the incomes of 99% of humanity fall and over 160 million more people forced into poverty. If these 10 men were to lose 99.999% of their wealth tomorrow, they would still be richer than 99% of all the people on this planet. They now have six times more wealth than the poorest 3.1 billion people-
0: Yes, the great humanitarian Bill Gates.
1: <laughs> the great humanitarian yes. leftists yes. have enriched the pockets
0: yes. of the greedy capitalists. Yes, <laughs> which the left pretends to hate. Right, right.
1: <laughs> that was the last section. That was number four, right. the profits. So why don't you read the conclusion?
0: Okay, so Ms. Lerman concludes the article with six bullet points. First, an engineered pandemic potential pathogen leaked from a high security US funded lab in Wuhan long before it was acknowledged by China. By the time it became known, it was too late to contain. Having outlined the cataclysmic convergence of forces I believe came together to create the COVID catastrophe, I now have a COVID story that makes sense to me. Bullet point. When they found out, top U.S. intelligence and public health officials affiliated with the Wuhan research panicked, fearing millions of deaths, international mayhem, and personal culpability. This caused them to disregard real-world data about the virus and to abandon basic epidemiological principles and best practices in public health. Again, I can't help but say, we are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye. Exactly. Next bullet point. The Chinese authorities adopted scientifically nonsensical, zero-COVID policies, not because they thought they would work, but to deflect attention from China's role in the viral leak and cover-up. In a brilliant propaganda coup, they turned the pandemic into a celebration of their authoritarian measures, convincing the world to follow their example. And laughing all the way Uh to the bank. Exactly. Next bullet point. All Democrats in the U.S. and their allies elsewhere reflexively and uncritically favored. These are supposed to be the rational ones in our society. Right. All the policies that President Trump, viewed as their mortal enemy, opposed. These were the very same scientifically bogus policies that the panicked officials and Chinese propagandists were pushing. Next bullet point. Many who controlled the narrative in media, academia, public health, and medicine were particularly susceptible to panic, politicization of the pandemic. And Chinese propaganda, which all came together to induce widespread groupthink and herd behavior. As cogently explained in the Great COVID Panic, such behavior is detached from logical reasoning and the ability to objectively evaluate reality. Mm -hmm. And of course, you and I would argue that this is not a new thing, Mm -hmm. it is exactly the standard operating procedure for the Democratic Party. Last bullet point. Major industries and individuals with enormous wealth and influence saw huge gains from the pandemic. It was and still is in their best interests to push for more testing, more treating, more vaccinating, more remote work and learning, more online shopping, and more of everything else pandemic related. Although terrifying and depressing to the extreme, this story helps me understand how so many people's views of data, science, truth, ethics, and compassion became so warped. Mm-hmm. I hope the telling will at least help a little with the unwarping. And that's my prayer too. Right. And that's it.
1: Mm-hmm. I think she lets them all off easy.
0: Yeah, actually that's true.
1: She does. <laughs> I think there is a little bit more to it.
0: Yep, and I think there is far more resentment and anger and hatred that is not covered here. Right. And ethical lapses. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Okay. There we go. Another one in the can, my love.
1: All right, thank you, John. I think it
0: was a good one. I think so too. Well, let us know what you think, folks.
1: Mm-hmm. And don't forget to listen to the Christian atheist on the closing of our churches revisited. Yes. Which we posted on Monday.
0: I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and remember, You can have your religious cake, and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.